So yes, to let you guys know, uh, Pastor Brian is uh, uh, not here today, obviously. He is over at First Baptist Church of Malone, Florida. Um, and so that's uh, just west of here, not quite to Mariana, right? The metropolis of Mariana, right before that, I believe. Um, somebody can correct me afterwards if I was wrong about that. But the reason why he's there is uh, First Baptist Church Malone is doing something called homecoming. And some of you remember what homecoming is. Uh, some of you don't know. You associate maybe homecoming with uh, high school and a football game and a dance. Uh, but no, churches have homecomings to celebrate uh, just their anniversary as a church, celebrate uh, where they've come, where they are, where they're going. Uh, and so Pastor Brian has ties to First Baptist Church Malone because it is actually the first church that he ever served on staff, staff as uh, in, in his ministry. It's actually where he began his uh, ministry there as a youth pastor. And so they have invited him to come back and to be the special guest uh, preacher. So I know that it was something that he was really excited about uh, being there. Um, and so probably getting starting to preach right now um, over there. But yeah, so we're praying for them. But I am excited about the opportunity to be here to, to preach God's word. I never take it lightly uh, to be able to fill this pulpit uh, as we have celebrated Pastor Brian's 20-year anniversary here at Morningside. That is uh, just something that is not heard of, uh, a pastor being in one location for 20 years. And so it is with always a, uh, a burden, but a good burden, that I have the opportunity to, to preach here. Um, and I'm just so thankful for the impact that he has had in all, all of our lives, um, as Pastor Brian has been so faithful to teach God's Word throughout all the years. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Genesis Genesis chapter 4, um, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that a lot of times we just kind of glance over, read over, move through to get to the next book, uh, the next chapter uh, on our reading list. Um, and today we're going to be looking at the story of uh, Cain and Abel, and we're going to be looking at the narrative that's there. And uh, our goal today, as we work through these first eight verses of Genesis chapter 4, is our goal is to see that your heart matters. Your heart matters. Um, this year, I've started to try to just read through God's Word. I bought a specific Bible to kind of help me with that. And this year, as I was beginning my journey through the Scriptures... Uh, it doesn't take long to get into Genesis 4, normally day one, day two, you're right there in Genesis 4, uh, depending on what plan you're using to read through the Bible. But this year when I was reading through Genesis 4, there was this, this, this passage really stuck out to me. Uh, and there were some things in this passage that I'd read before, but really never saw. And that is just a testimony to the Word of God itself, right? Uh, God's Word is living and active. Uh, what that means is that when we come to His Word, yes, they are words on a page or words on a screen, whatever method you are using to read God's Word, they are completely different. God can use His Word to speak into our lives and show us something new, even though it's something that we have already seen or already read before. He can even use his word to remind us of some truths that maybe we've forgotten throughout the years. And so uh, this morning, I just want us to see that your, your heart matters. 
As we look at the narrative of Cain and, and Abel, it's so easy to focus on the offerings that were given. It's so easy to focus on the deed that was done by Cain in killing his brother Abel and forget that there is this huge theme that is in this story about how our hearts really do matter. Before we read it, I want to share and show you guys a picture of two individuals. I don't know if you know who they are. Uh, these, let me introduce you to Sergio Aguero and Lamarcus Aldridge. Sergio Aguero is, uh, was a professional soccer player. Lamarcus Aldridge was a professional basketball player. These two guys, even though they have different sports that they are involved in, and I don't know if you know anything about them. I really knew nothing about them. I'm not too interested in their sports too much. I grew up playing baseball. That was my sport. That's the one I kind of leaned toward the most. Uh, soccer, you know, I was all about using my hands. I mean, that's baseball, right? Soccer, a lot, a lot of foot action and, and a lot of running, and that's not me, okay? Uh, and, and basketball, would play for fun, but never played serious. I think the one game that I played serious, I think I fouled out in. Um, and so, yeah, basketball definitely wasn't my sport. But these two guys, they have something in common. They're both professional athletes. They were both in incredible shape. But last year in 2021, both of these athletes, unforeseen, retired from their prospective sports. What led them to the retirement was actually the same issue. LaMarcus Aldridge, the basketball player, retired in April of 2021 because he began to experience chest pains during a game. Sergio Aguero retired in December of 2021 because he began to experience shortness of breath. You see, both of these guys on the outside, and even look at their pictures now, their physical stature, their outside was good. They were professional athletes. They were excelling at their sports. But internally, there was something that was going on that was completely changing their lives, and that is that their hearts had major physical issues. And because of their hearts had major physical issues, both of these athletes had to retire from their sport. And as I think about their stories and I think about what they went through, I think about the church and I think about our own lives and I, th I think that sometimes on the outside we can be doing all the right things. We can be in all the right places. But internally there is a major issue that is happening and that our hearts have spiritually drifted from God or our hearts have spiritually grown distant from God. And so today, our goal is, as we look at this story of Cain and Abel, we want to see that your heart matters. Your heart matters. And so what I want to do is, I just want to kind of read through these scriptures. We're going to read through Genesis 4, verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to come back and we're going to pull some, some, some truths out of these verses. So Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8 says this. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Verse 2. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd and Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, 
the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel in his gift, but he did not accept Cain in his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Verse 6, Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Last verse, verse 8. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the fields, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Sometimes as we read through the Bible, it's easy, like I said, to come to these stories and to disassociate ourselves from them um, and say, what does this really have to do with me? Um, I haven't murdered anybody. I don't plan on murdering anybody, right? How, how, how does this really impact me? And like I said, we'll read through this and we'll read through some genealogies and then we'll get to a familiar story in Genesis chapter 6 and the story of Noah and the ark. But today I just want to slow down and I don't want us just to look at God's word here and I want us to pull some truths as we look at this idea that your heart matters. The first thing I want us to see is that God knows your heart. God knows your heart. In verses 4 and 5, there were some things that stuck out to me as I read through this narrative, as I read through this story, like I said, that have never stuck out to me before. Because again, I associated this story with two different brothers, two different sacrifices, and then ending, ending in murder. And I completely missed on, out on some things that God was trying to, to show me. But in verses 4, at the end of verse 4 and into verse 5, I want you to see some key words. I want you to see some phrases that are said here. And it says this at the end of verse 4. It says, The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. And then at the beginning of verse 5, look at what the Word of God says. But he, God, did not accept Cain and his gift. So much as we read through this story, we make it about the offerings that were brought. Cain bringing an offering of, uh, from his harvest and then Abel bringing the first fruits from, from his flock. But ultimately, when we look at these verses and see that God accepted Abel and that God did not accept Cain, what we see is that this was a matter of their hearts. You see, God knew the condition of their hearts. The problem was not with Cain's offering itself, but with Cain himself. This is the key to understanding and unlocking some truths that are here. Warren Wearsby says this about these verses. He says, Cain wasn't rejected because of his offering, but his offering was rejected because of Cain. You see, Cain's heart along the way had drifted from God. Therefore, his offering and his worship was affected. Cain was able to go through the motions. Cain was able to scrounge up some sort of an offering to bring there. The outside, it looked good, but on the inside, Cain really was struggling. You see, Cain was in the right place, but he was doing, with the, but he had the wrong heart. And what we see ultimately in verses 4 and 5 of Genesis chapter 4 is that God knew both of their hearts. And as I think about their hearts and I think about our hearts here today, 
It is easy to be in the right place, and I praise God that he brought you here today. Whether this is where you attend on a regular basis, and this is your home church, and you are a member here at Morningside, or you are visiting, or it's your first time back in a while, I want to encourage you that today God brought you here for a specific purpose. It is not an accident that you are here today. But just the fact that you are in this room, that's the first step. But there are some of you, we can be in this room, but our hearts can be distant from God. Maybe even already right now you have tuned out what is being said. Maybe right now you are already beginning to plan next week's schedule. You're already beginning to formulate in your mind the to-do list that you have for either later on today or for next week. Maybe you're beginning, it's 1137, let's be honest, you're probably thinking about lunch. And now that I said it, you're thinking about it even more, right? But maybe you're already beginning to think about lunch and you're just thinking about what has to happen and your heart is not right here. I want us to be encouraged today to see that God knows our hearts and he knows our hearts and he knows the condition of our hearts. Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 9 and 10 says this, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Look at what the beginning of verse 10 says. I, the Lord, examine the mind and I test the heart. You see, we can fool others on the outside and we can fool others to believing that we have everything together. We can even, I would say, begin to fool ourselves. But if we are not careful, we can get caught and our hearts can begin to drift because we cannot fool God. He knows our hearts. Today, God knows your heart. He knows the condition of your heart right now. And the condition of your heart matters. And God desires your heart more than anything else. As good as it is to come here and to worship. As good as it is, is to be faithful in the being at church with attendance. As good as it is even to offer tithes and other offerings to the Lord. God desires your heart above all else. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 reminds us of this truth. For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So this morning, as we look at this story of Cain and Abel, we see that God knew the condition of their heart the same way that God knows the condition of our hearts. The next thing that we see, let's pick it up in verses 6 and 7. The next thing that we're going to see is that God wants to heal your heart. God wants to heal your heart. In verse 6, God comes to Cain. And he says this, Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look dejected? You see, God comes to Cain, even in his sin, even in his heart that has turned from God, God still comes to Cain. And what he's going to do here is he's going to offer Cain healing. It doesn't mean that Cain is going to choose that healing, but he's at least going to offer Cain healing. Why? Because God wants to heal our hearts. And so what does God do? He offers some questions to Cain. Why are you so angry? Why are you so dejected? It is very easy for us to look through this and be like, okay, why would God ask these questions? He's God. He knows everything. So what is the purpose of these questions? The purpose of these questions are not for God. The purpose of these questions are for Cain. We see 
God doing this similar thing even back in the chapter before this in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve had disobeyed God and fell into rebellion with God, God comes to them in Genesis chapter 3 in verses 8 and 9. You can see this, but then God asks them a question. Look at what God's word says. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And at that time of the evening breeze, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9 of Genesis chapter 3 says this. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? God was asking Adam and Eve that question, not because he didn't know where they were. He knew exactly where they were. He knew their physical position and he knew their spiritual position. He asked them that question so that they could begin to understand that there was a difference. That there was a difference in their relationship with God. So that there was a difference even in their hearts. So God asked them the question, where are you? So similarly, now here in Genesis chapter 4, God comes to Cain. And he asks them the question, why are you so angry? And we could take this question and we could kind of take that word anger and we could kind of put a blank there. And we could say that where God could come and ask us any question to us where he could say, why are you so bitter? Why are you so consumed with the things of this world? Why are you so selfish? Why are you so lustful? You see, God asks us these questions so that we can begin, begin to see that our condition, our heart condition has changed. And we can see that there is an issue with sin that will lead us to repentance. Verse 7, though, it continues to go on. God carried, continues the conversation with Cain and he says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. God gives us a choice to be healed. He says to Cain, you will be accepted if you do what is right. Well, what is right? So God wasn't trying to get Cain to begin to change his outward things, his actions, because, because Cain was already doing that. Cain brought an offering before God. So what was God trying to get to with Cain there? Cain was, excuse me, God was trying to get to Cain to see that I want your heart. I want you to put your faith in me. I want you to be revived and have a relationship right with me. It's not about your religious works. It's about your hearts. We're reminded of this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, where we read about Abel's offering it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. In that one verse, if you were to look at it, the word faith is mentioned three different times. So what was it that made Abel's offering pleasing to God? It was his faith. And so when God comes to Cain here in verse 7, and he says, if you do what is right, he is trying to capture Cain's heart. And he is trying to see and to show Cain that he desires his heart. But Cain had a choice. God goes on from there in verse 7. He says, watch out. Sin is crouching at your door. See, God warns us about sin's reality. God loves us enough to tell us the truth that sin is there and that sin is ready to do damage. 
And if we are not careful, sin can enter our lives and it can begin to grow. It can begin to fester. And as we look at this story of Cain and Abel, and as we look at this interaction with Cain and God, we have to again open our own hearts and open our own lives to what God might be showing us. Is there any sin that you are allowing into your life to begin to fester? Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it is anger. Maybe it's bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, selfishness, lust. We could go on and on. And what we have to be careful about is that to realize is that sin can creep into our lives. Um, as a, one of the greatest responsibilities I have as a youth pastor is as students come through our ministry, uh, either within our ministry or even after they, they graduate, they'll meet that special someone. And then they'll come to me and like, hey, we would love for you to do our wedding. And uh, I've had the privilege of doing several weddings since being here at Morningside. And when I do weddings, there, there's a moment that I, I always like to try to just capture. And that moment is when the bride is coming in for the first time, I love to look and see the groom's reaction. I love to see the groom's face. Because in that moment, you can just see that there is this instant love. There's this instant affection. There's this excitement of what is to come. And as we go through the ceremony, and as we couple unites and makes a covenant with each other and before God, um, I have never done a wedding to where during the vows or during that covenant that is being made, the groom said to the bride or the bride said to the groom, I promise to break your heart. I promise to devastate your lives and our children's lives. I've never had that happen. But you know what has, has, has happened? Is that there have been people that I've known to where the relationship has severed. Not just people that I've married, but even people from within the church. And it's like, what happened? Think back to that wedding day. It was so special. What happened? Sin begins to creep into our hearts. And it begins to fester. And it begins to grow. And so we have to be careful. We have to look at the story of Cain and Abel. And we have to slow down and see that our heart matters. That God knows our heart. But not just that. The encouraging thing is He wants to bring healing to our heart. He warns us about the seriousness of sin. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. That word guard there is tied to an Old Testament position, and that Old Testament position was that of a watchman. A watchman is somebody that would stand guard on the city wall or stand guard outside the camp of the people and they would watch for danger that was coming into the camp. And if at any point there was danger that was coming, they would sound the alarm. They would warn the people that were in there because they cared about them. And so right here we see God's word telling us, guard your heart. Be a watchman over your heart, for it is the source of life. We guard things that are important to us, right? I mean, think about it real quick. What are things that you protect? Just think to yourself, what are things that you want to keep secure? 
We have safes at our house to maybe protect our valuables. We have alarms on our cars or at our houses because we care about what's inside. Um, I made a joke of this earlier, but um, I typically don't lock my car. I know I'm probably inviting every student to begin to prank me or maybe somebody to steal my car, which you can have it. It's got 200-something thousand miles on it. Enjoy it. All right. <laughs> you obviously might need it more than me now. But the other day, Erin uh, and I, we went to Hobby Lobby, and she says, hey, lock, lock the van. And I was like, how do I do that? I didn't have a fob, right? I know it's 2022 and everything, but, you know, I didn't have a fob to hit the button and be cool. Um, and so push the button. Then I made sure I had my keys, which I should have done in the first place. But anyhow, <laughs> I had my keys, Mark. It's good, all right? Um, I didn't have to walk home. Um, but anyhow, we locked the car. Why did we lock the car? Because we had some valuables that were inside the car that we cared about that we wanted to protect. Uh, at night, one of the last things I do before I go to bed is I go around to every outside door uh, that I have and I make sure that it's deadbolted. I make sure that it's locked. Why, lo locked. Why do I do that? Well, one, I want to sleep good, right? But two, no, ultimately I care about what's inside of my house. So I guard it, protect it. We do this with things in our life because we care about them. But do we guard our hearts? Do we protect our hearts? Because a lot of times, we don't. We open our hearts to the attack from the enemy. We open our hearts wide open for Satan to come in and to begin to do some damage. And it might start small, but then it begins to grow and it begins to fester. And that's what we see God here in his interaction with Cain is saying, hey, watch out because sin is crouching at the door. And so we see this warning here. So maybe today, God in his grace and his love for you, he brought you here to this, this service. He brought you here to church today because he wants you to heed this warning that we have in the story of Canaan and Abel. And so again, we see that God knows our hearts, that God wants to heal our hearts. And then verse eight, the culmination of this part of the story is that your heart affects your actions. Your heart affects your actions. Verse 8, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now again, like I said, we read through this story. I've read through this story multiple times, and it's just, this is what happens. But if you slow down and think about it, where did Cain get this idea of killing? I mean, we live in a culture to where now sin has, you know, been running rampant and throughout human history for some time. So the idea of killing, the idea of murder, we, we're kind of desensitized to it. I mean, we, we hear about it in the news. We read about it in the news. Um, we watch it through entertainment means, right? But Cain, remember, he is the son of Adam and Eve. Yes, sin was in the world, but murder was not. So where does this stem from? Where does this come from? We have to realize that sin starts in the heart because the heart is the command center of human life and it controls, controls and influences everything. Jesus reminds those listening to him of this truth in, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. He says, from the heart come evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, 
false testimonies, slander. Where does that come from? Jesus said it, from the heart. You see, our heart is the source. A lot of times we try to fix our actions, but we need to fix our hearts. James chapter 1, verse 14 starts off and says, But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. What is that? Their heart. You see, sin always leads to death. Abel, yes, he was the first death that happened. But Cain's actions were a result of his heart condition. Again, going on in James, James chapter 1, then verse 15, the next verse says this. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So this idea of death is not just a physical death, but it's a spiritual death that happens. And where does it begin? It begins in our hearts. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, at the very beginning of it, says this. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You see, only God is the one who, he's the only one that can cure our hearts. The latter part of that verse in Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you see what the end says there? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus is the only one who can cure our hearts. So today, I want to encourage you, we need to do a heart examination. And we need to see the condition of our heart. And as we see the condition of our heart, the goal is to not to lead us to try to do more on the outside. But the goal is to begin to allow God to come on the inside and to cure our heart. How does that happen? It happens through acknowledging that there is an issue, that you have sin in your life and that you are broken and you are separated from God. Therefore, you cannot cure yourself. Only God can cure you. How does he do it? As we just read in Romans 6.23, through Jesus Christ. And so if you are here today and there's never been a moment in your life that you have experienced salvation, I pray today would be the day of your salvation. Maybe you have experienced salvation, but yet at some point, you begin to allow sin to creep into your heart. So the response today is to, again, acknowledge the issue and then to ask God for forgiveness. Today, as we close, I want to do something a little different. I don't have a story to tell you. I just want to, I don't have a prop to show you. (laughs) But I have God's word I want to give you. In Psalm chapter 139, in verses 23 and 24, I want you to see what God's word says here. And I want to use this as a closing today to be a closing prayer for us. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. What I want to do is I'm going to give you guys a moment, and I want you, in the quietness of your seats there, I want you to use this scripture, and then we're we're going to leave it on the screen so you can see it. 
But I want, to use, I want you to use this scripture just as a prayer. Just as a prayer to kind of help you evaluate where your heart, as a prayer to ask God to search your heart. And during this prayer, if God, or during this time, if God is beginning to just do a work, I want you to know that there's forgiveness. He desires to heal your heart. After we give you some time to pray this, I'm going to close in prayer, and then Mark's going to come and close us in a song. And Mark closes in a song. Afterwards, I'll be down front. Jeff will be down here. If you want to experience salvation, you want to talk to somebody about that, just know that we are here. If you want to talk through maybe something else and you want some special prayer because of something else you're going through, just know that we are here. So in the quietness of this moment, I'm going to give you guys just a minute. Read through this, these verses. Let these verses be a prayer. Read them. Read them again. Pray them. Pray them again. Open your heart to what God might be showing you. God, as we come to you today, God, we want to open our hearts to what your word is showing us. God, what we see from the truth, the story of Cain and Abel, is that our hearts matter. God, I just pray for every single heart that is represented in this room. God, you know their hearts. And God, there are people that are in here that are probably distant from you. God, there are people in this room that do not know you. So God, I'm praying for their salvation. God, there are people in this room who have experienced salvation, but they've allowed sin to creep into their life in one way or another. God, I pray that you would reveal to them those things. God, they would repent of those things and turn to you so their heart can be right before you. God, thank you so much for the healing that you provide to us through your son, Jesus. God, we are just praying today that we would experience healing in our hearts. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.